0: You're
1: listening to, whoa,
2: potluck, luck, And you're listening to the Collabcast, a podcast about pop culture and the creative life from Asian American perspective.
3: Hey, hey, oh
4: yeah,
1: oh yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Hey, we ain't playing no games with this one. Oh, hey.
2: And hey, everyone, you're listening to The Collabcast, episode 198. It is Friday, April the 26th, 2019. My name is Marvin Ye, and this week we have a special treat for you. As you may have heard, about a month ago, Collaboration held the 2019 Empower Creative Leadership Conference, where we brought together over 75 featured speakers, including film directors, TV writers, actors, musicians, and podcasters to share their experiences with the next generation of Asian American creatives. On this episode, we'll be sharing our Filmmakers Panel, titled From Script to Screen, Asian-American Filmmakers Bring Their Stories to Life. Featuring directors Lulu Wong of The Farewell, Andrew Ahn of Driveways, Diane Paragus of Yellow Rose, and Tanush Chopra of Staycation, and moderated by William Yu, the creator of Hashtag Starring John Cho. We were very excited to be able to gather um, this panel of amazing filmmakers together to talk about their craft and also creating Asian-American-centric stories. We'll be rolling out audio from the other amazing panels of Empower 2019 throughout the year. So stay tuned for this podcast feed for more updates. Um, But with that, I present to you the filmmakers panel of the 2019 Empower Creative Leadership Conference. Good morning.
0: There it is. (laughs) Uh, Thanks everyone so much for coming uh, to our from script to screen, Asian-American filmmakers bring their stories to life panel. Uh, really excited to chat with everyone here uh, who is making Asian-American stories come to life in a very interesting, new, different way. Um, I guess just to first off, uh, my name is William Yu. Uh, I created a project called Hashtag Starring John Cho. Uh, you've heard of it. Cool. Um, and I'm so excited to, to introduce everybody here. Um would love for everyone just on the panel as we start this conversation, uh, if you wouldn't mind just introducing yourself and the latest project that you're working on uh, before we start diving in. And we can start with Andrew. Hey,
4: everyone. I'm Andrew Ahn. I'm a writer-director. Um, my latest film is called Driveways, uh, which premiered at Berlin a few weeks ago, and then will have its North American premiere Uh, At Tribeca in a couple weeks Um, Yeah, nice to
0: be here Sorry, uh, Andrew Can you just give us a quick one-liner of what Driveways is uh, about?
4: Sure, Driveways is a story about A mother and her young son Who uh, drive into this small town Because they've inherited a house from The mother's estranged sister who's passed away
3: Hi, uh, my name is Lulu Wong Uh, My latest film is called The Farewell Thank you. Uh, It premiered at Sundance this year, and it's going to be released um, July 12th by A24. And what it's about, right? Um, It's a story about, based on my real-life family, um, about uh, a young Chinese-American woman. I guess young-ish, 30-something, I don't know, whatever. Um, She goes back to China because her grandmother has been diagnosed with terminal cancer, but the entire family has decided not to tell grandma that she's sick or dying um, and has a very short time left and instead they stage uh, a wedding for uh, the main character's cousin and so it, basically this entire family goes back to China under the facade of a wedding uh, as a but actually to go say goodbye to Grandma.:'
5: um, to Chopra uh, I did a film my, my latest film is uh, staycation. <laughs> All right you've heard of it, it, uh, it stars Anthony Ma, the great Anthony Ma. <laughs> And Grace Su, uh, yes, you know her too. She—it's—it's uh, it's it, it premiered last fall at the Los Angeles uh, Film Festival, where we won the Grand Jury Prize. That's another applause moment. Um, I, I was a writer, director, DP, and editor of it, and uh, it's about a very dysfunctional Taiwanese American couple living in downtown Los Angeles. It's playing at—it'll uh, play at Los Angeles Film Festival, Asian American Film Festival, soon.
1: Uh, Hi, I'm I'm Diane Paragas. I'm a writer-director. My film is called The Yellow Rose and it's opening the... It's the opening night film for the L.A. Asian Pacific Film Festival. So it's world premiere May 2nd. That's my cheap-ass plug. So come come out. It's about a 17-year-old undocumented Filipino girl who wants to be a country singer. And um, in the beginning of the film, her mom gets picked up by ice and she has to go on a journey to find a new home and uh, hopefully pursue her dreams. So it stars Eva Noblezada, who is a Tony nominee for Miss Saigon, and the original Miss Saigon, Leia Salonga. So we have the two Miss Saigons, in her uh, first film in 20 years, so.
0: Very cool. Um, I think what's so amazing about hearing all these stories that are kind of come, you guys are bringing to life is that it spans countries, it spans languages, it spans different backgrounds, and I think that as directors, there isn't always a, like a traditional way in one becomes a director to, to wear the hat. Um, I'm interested in seeing for you guys, is there a specific moment in time when you kind of felt that this, this was a, this is when I have to start being someone who puts a film like this together. This is when I have to be a director. Um, what kind of led you to this path that we, we now see you in? <laughs>
1: All right, I'll start.
3: Um, if, you know, for me, I, I I actually went into a film class, not even knowing that I would be a director. Um, I think just because I uh, my family immigrated when I was six to the states, and we, I never saw any like I just never saw anyone like me being a filmmaker. So I just it wasn't in the realm of my reality and um, it was in college, I was um, majoring in music and international studies and um, I was also writing a lot and I didn't really know what I wanted to do in my life yet, I just knew I had all of these different interests and then I kind of had one elective my senior year that was open and I was like, oh, what looks fun? Oh, like, You know this actually. Okay, I'll be honest. There was a guy that I liked, and he was in the class, and I was like, okay, I think I'm gonna go take this class. Um, And I was like one of the only women in the class, and I was like, oh, films, this is fun, you know. But like again, I didn't think of myself as someone who could be a filmmaker because everyone that we were studying was like you know, like a Tarantino or Scorsese. And, um, and then I kind of w- was looking around and I saw a world cinema class. So then I went to that and I was like, okay, world cinema, there's Wong Kai Wai, there's like Asian filmmakers, but I still didn't see very many women. Um, and so it wasn't until I actually made my first film and in, the mo- in like the process of making it, we shot it on Super 8, I was working with my friends. That's when... I sort of was like, this is fun. Like, I love this. Um, but it's sort of like, it it didn't come the way that a lot of other filmmakers might be like, oh, I grew up watching so-and-so and seeing this and that. Like, I kind of didn't piece it together. It was like, this is a fun thing that I like to do. It utilizes my writing skills, my, uh, you know, my background in music. And I get to work with my friends. Uh, oh, and then there's this other world of people making films. And it was like, this two separate things. Um, and so, yeah i guess it just took a while to kind of like bridge that gap
0: that's great so start started with a started with a crush and it ended with a, a career
3: <laughs> yeah that guy's not making films <laughs>
5: <laughs> great tanusha how about you um, so I'm not, sometimes I'm not even sure if I'm a filmmaker I, I still think of myself as like a jump shooter a uh, basketball player who <laughs> goes behind the camera sometimes um, I don't know, like like Lulu said there's not like an aha moment um, I, I was equally probably frustrated with um, representation, I didn't see um, you know enough brown faces and if I saw them it was uh, in very chari- stereotypical chari- we've heard this all right, we, it's just horrible represent horrible roles and um I think I approached it from a very political standpoint. I just wanted to make something which represented me and my community, and I think I had a moment where I watched Do the Right Thing, uh, Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing on VHS in the like in 90s, and I saw somebody not only entertain, but um, activate up our minds politically, you know, and I saw a film come together that could do all the things I'd hoped the medium would do, and um, it made me feel like I could do it, you know? And um, I, I took classes. I, I immersed myself. It, it's all DIY. Like, there's no... Um, I didn't grow up the same way, like, just w- with film as something that was handed to me in my family. I just had to pick up cameras and, and experiment and shoot on film and cut film. as Like, literally cut film and paste it and then transition with all the new technology that was coming up and, and learn to shoot cameras, learn, learn how to change a lens, learn how to... Um, you know, set up a project file. Like you know, you, you just sort of immerse yourself in the physical work of it, and you know, you kind of wake up one day and you've made the first South Asian American feature to go to Sundance. I wanted to say that. Uh, like, <laughs> it's time to toot my own horn today, but. Um, I, but I, there's still times, you know, sometimes the question for me isn't like, when did I want to be a filmmaker? It's like, when does the industry also recognize you as a filmmaker as, a, as someone who's coming from the margins? Like, that's also the question I think I'm asking more. Um, whether I think I'm a filmmaker or not is, is kind of not as important sometimes in the meetings I'm in, and, you know, as, as much as the other people can see me as someone who's included in this industry. So I, that's, my, that's actually a, answering a question where the question is, where, where does the industry think I'm a filmmaker?
4: I think for me, like, I was making short films in in film school and and I kind of didn't know what I was doing. And I was just kind of, like, fucking around and trying things. And, and, you know, it it wasn't until I had made a short film um, that uh, was about Korean Americans um, that I saw something and was like, oh, like, I have an insight into these characters into the, this family dynamic um, that uh, I think people will uh, engage with, they'll respond to. Um, and I remember you know, just like being very proud of the fact that I made something, but it wasn't until I started screening it. So I, I, like my very first film festival was like the Boston Asian American Film Festival. And then later I played um, Outfest Fusion and then LA Asian with that short. Um, and it was going to these festivals and seeing um, uh, all these other filmmakers. You know, uh, being a part of a program, like you know, doing Q and As for an audience. That I was like, oh, like people want to see this kind of stuff. And uh, and and it's 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 something that um, is not just personally fulfilling, but also feels kind of like community fulfilling. Um, and and just that camaraderie and that sense of community for me was was really special and I felt like oh like this could be like a career you know like this could be something that, um, that I want to do you know uh, beyond just like in a vacuum making my own little films that it could engage with society and so uh, you know I think that festival circuit like really helped me and so that's why I'm, like, super thankful for organizations like OutFest and Visual Communications and Sundance and Film Independent um, because they really give you this... It's a little bit of this, um, you know, training ground, you know, support um, system uh, that, as a filmmaker, you know, can often feel really daunting. Like, I need to make my first feature. Like, how does that happen? And there's, there's people and a structure that can help you through that.
1: So, uh, the, um, But my very first uh, feature-length documentary, so I come from documentaries, this is my first narrative feature, Um, is a film called Brooklyn Boheme. I don't know if you guys saw it with Spike Lee and Chris Rock, and it was about um, the African-American arts movement that happened in Brooklyn that was likened to the Harlem Renaissance. Um, And the movie was about a community of African-American artists that kind of raised each other up. Um, and at that point, I was um, co-directing with my, my friend, Nelson George, and my mentor in many ways. And, um, but it was at that moment I was like, I want to tell my story. You know, I want to you know, pursue a story about uh, my own personal experience. And it had been a long way, I actually wrote the first draft of, of Yellow Rose 15 years ago. And kind of like Tanuj said, it's really not when you want to make the film, but when the industry allows you to make the film and it's a really really exciting time now that that I think they're letting us which sucks that we have to be allowed to do it but it's a business and so um, it's sort of happened at this time and I think it's really cool that we're at a conference called Collaboration because I think A lot of us, like, I've always admired the Three Amigos. You know, I think that they're... And and that was also what my film, Brooklyn Boheme, was about, which is if we as a community are given this moment in time, it's our obligation to help each other and support each other and collaborate with each other so that we can raise each other's work up. So it's a really exciting time for me because we are being given this opportunity to finally tell our stories. I think what's so great about,
0: about all these responses is that it can really come from so many different inspirations, whether it's a, a passing interest in in the medium, in, in the genre, if it's a, a political frustration that you want to get out and you want to articulate, if you want to... Uh, if you have an idea and you have a thought and you want to see it validated by a community or if, if you have mentors and people around you who are who are really willing to to lift you up and to kind of encourage that type of thinking. Um, but I do think what's what's so interesting about all your stories is that there's a certain level of choice you have to make to go out and pursue it. And it, you really have to make that decision that you're going to go forth and tell the story. Um, I think what, what being a director is, is so fascinating in that oftentimes I feel you have all these wonderful stories and ideas, and, and as as a person who sees so many people have ideas and want to say that they have a, a film that they want to make, you kind of wonder, like, how, how do you actually choose what to spend your time on and your money on and your effort on? Um, do you guys find that there are certain things that resonate with you that make you feel as though this is a project worth pursuing, this is something that... I can actually go out and and find financing for or find um, advocates for beyond just a a passing thought? How do you turn that idea into an actual physical thing? Tanush, let's start with you.
5: (laughs) Well, you're a really good moderator, man. I have to say, I just already feel it. We just started this panel. Williams, amazing. Can we give him a round of applause? All right, he's just—you are really good. You encapsulated all of our statements in like a quick flow in like one second. Your brain is like an amazing processor. Um, are you just Appreciate buying it? time right now? <laughs> I have no idea what to answer. Stalling, just stalling.
1: Just
5: <laughs> Milk it. Uh, well, you know, for me, I think it's like—it's a—it's a sub—it's. A sub, I'm big on subconscious. Like, I'm big on the subconscious mind. I think, like, what happens when you're, like, little reptile brain, when you're not thinking, is the most exciting shit. And... <laughs> is this in public? <laughs> so, I, I find that, like, when I'm... Like, the stuff I'm really pushing and, and pressing and pushing forward is... It, it can it can kind of, you know, make ways and go forward and go backwards, and you can give your decks to people and PDFs to people, your revisions and lookbooks and mood boards. But I think... I. It's, it's, never, um, it's always something that is gestating kind of quietly in the back of my brain that um, reveals itself to me. Um, and that's sort of when I know when an idea is really great. It's, it's, it's something that I can't let go of, something I can't shake. And it's something that really coalesces and um, uh, finds um, structure in, in, in my subconscious mind, in my unconscious mind, you know? And so I try to do a lot of things, in, 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 whether it's meditation or whether it's, um, you know, communing with the right rhythms of my life that allow um, my imagination to kind of grow. Um, I, I try to stay involved in those kind of activities, and that kind of can fuel, fertilize that, that, that space. But then you can't control it. You can't make it happen. If it's not happening, it's not. But more often than not, it's something that just kind of – it just sort of uh, – it it hits me, and it's it's not a, uh, um, it's, it's it's not always about like hard work or structure or some formulaic way of approaching your, your art. It's it's much more um, it, it, out in the ether.
1: I think I have an answer. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's a hard question. Um, I think I just make movies because I want to see them in the movie theater. You know, I mean, like Lulu, I never saw a Filipino, and I still haven't, um, in a major protagonist role in a in a movie that you go and pay money in a dark theater and see. And that was a pretty strong motivation to be so tenacious and keep going after this film. And there were there were years where I was just like, "That's never going to happen." I pursued other films, I made other films, um, but it's just the desire to see a movie that reflects my community. I mean, it's again, it's it's a broken record but it's such a long journey you have to keep saying it, and you have to keep thinking it and keep doing it um, I, I was at um, I, I just finished Brooklyn Bohemian I was actually writing another script that was about a, a white male protagonist set in India It was completely different um, which I do want to make that film but um, I went to a panel with Mira Nair she's a, the great film director and it was for um, this film The Reluctant Fundamentalist and she had just made a bunch of Hollywood movies um, and, and someone said like what what made you want to tell this story and she said um you know after doing all these hollywood movies i feel like there's not a lot of filmmakers that can tell the stories of my community and it's almost an obligation for me to tell the stories of my community and at that moment i went back to my to yellow rose and and from from that point on is is how i got this movie made so
0: it was like a, just like like a- visceral feeling that you had that was almost like compelling you?
1: The, that word obligation, yeah. you know, to tell this, these stories as as somebody, you know, a story from my community about me and by me. I think the by me part was the the obligation. Great. Andrew? Uh,
4: yeah, it, it's interesting thinking, I'm like trying to really think about uh, my process of making... Spahnite and, and making driveways. Um, I think so much of uh, why I focused on you know these particular stories to really push and and and, and make happen um, is because uh, it's less like the actual thing and more that like I wanted to go through the process. You know, like with Spawnite, like it's it's that film is so much about this intersection of of gay and Korean identity, and and there's this question that I have about, like, well, what does it mean to be both gay and Korean-American? And, and that um, I don't necessarily have an answer, but I felt like the film would help me find an answer, you know, that um, that, that through the process of writing the script and talking about this with people, shooting, editing, screening it, that I could explore this topic, and it was a curiosity, you know? I think if you're not curious about your film, like, if you don't... If you know everything that your film is, then why are you making it, right? Like, there's no point, like, and and there's no drive. I think it's only if there's an unanswered question that, like, that leads you through the process, right? And so with Driveways, a lot of that movie for me was about... um, like living your life without regret and and what that means. And, uh, you know, as someone who's at, at, at the stage in my life where I'm really feeling like some of the choices I make now are going to affect the rest of my personal life, my professional life, like it was really, it was something that I wanted to, to dive into. Um, so I think that like for me, I'm led by a, a question, you know? Um, uh, and then ultimately like... It, the very sad truth of it is you know is that like you, you kind of can't just will a film into being on your own, like you have to have a team of people and and i 've had film ideas where i 'm like super interested in something, and I talk to my friends, I talk to my you know like film school like collaborators, I talk to mentors, and like no one gets it like no one's like oh yeah that's great and I have to be real with myself and and say, well, like, maybe maybe I'm not understanding my own, like, my own desire for this, you know? If I can't convince someone else to do this, like, if I can't articulate that yet, then maybe I'm not ready. Like, maybe it's not the right story. Um, and so, you know, I go back into kind of a, a self-reflection kind of uh, process. But, you know, I I also think that, like, Um, this question of like, oh, what should I put my time and energy and resources into? You're ultimately, as artists, as filmmakers, you're going to put time and energy into something that is going to feel like a waste of time, Um, you know, uh, and it might not lead to something. And the only thing that I can say to that feeling is, don't let that actually be like an obstacle to your, like... For, like, growth, you know, like, actually, like, realize that even that wasted time is still experience, right? That it's going to um,
0: help you make whatever film next better. That's a, I mean, it's, it's inspiring. I feel like what's, what's so cool about that response is that it's also kind of terrifying. Like, the idea that that you're going out with a question that may not have a, a, a definite, definite answer and in this time where it's all about how are you maximizing and optimizing your, your 100% A plus life, uh, it, can, it can be kind of daunting to feel as though that you might go into a venture that doesn't, doesn't end well. But I think what's so, what's so great about that is that kind of it demystifies a little bit this idea of failure, and I think particularly in our community, it's such a, a pressure to feel as if you do the thing, it has to be the best thing you do the thing, it has to be the right thing, the thing that's going to sell, the thing that's going to check all the boxes for everybody, um, but knowing that there is value in in just learning and in trying and experimenting and that should it not go your way, there's still things that you can gain from it is is, is fascinating. Um, Lulu, how about yourself?
3: Um, yeah, I agree with what Andrew is saying about curiosity and I think for me every project is very different um, in terms of where it starts, and and again, like, what the market, and who allows uh, you to make that film. Um, Like, with my first film, it came about, because in a way, I didn't have confidence in myself as a director, or my voice, or what I wanted to say, but I had an opportunity. Um, A producer and a financier said, I love romantic comedies, Uh, I liked one of your scripts, would you like to write one and direct one if I produced it? And so yes like right like someone get and it just kind of snowballed and we got this great cast we cast Brett Marling and Jack Houston and it was an opportunity for me to just make a film any kind of film and after that I was like oh wait I I can make a film like I just put together this project then and I was like okay I'm a director wait uh, what do I want to you know it it was sort of this backwards kind of thing because I didn't go to film school or anything like that and um, and looking back on it now, I realize that I I don't think I fully embraced and, or had the confidence in myself to 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 even ask myself what 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 is my voice? What do I want to say? I mean, because I just think that takes a certain level of recognition or awareness um, that I, I didn't have. Um, and now, you know, I, I think about so many other issues when I'm working on a story. It can't simply just be like, oh, that's a great idea or somebody's coming to me with, you know, a project. I do think a lot about representation and what are the type of values that I want to represent in my storytelling that to put into the world and you know like is and for me for example like joy is really important no matter what kind of story I'm telling like there has to be joy in the characters within the film and it isn't simply just about hope or whatever but like and all of these things but it's just like I I think the the truth of it is like when I was working on The Farewell is that no matter what is happening in in the family, there is joy within the family. And uh, I'm I, not being very uh, coherent about it, but for some reason that feels politically important, that to see representation but also to see the joy in um, people of color, women, like uh, anyone who's all these communities that are underrepresented to see that within their own communities, within their families, in their own circles, there is joy and they're not just like these long suffering people who, you know, are victims.
0: I think it's, it's funny how much representation has already come up in this conversation in that no matter where the conversation seems to mature in that way, like representation always matters. Every day, it always, always matters. And I think if you can find that element of joy to, to weave into that, that work that you do, that's what's going to bring it to life and that's what's going to make you think that this is worthwhile to, to, put, to put forth. Um, shout out Marie Kondo a little bit. <laughs> uh, well,
3: yeah, maybe I've been watching too much Marie Kondo. <laughs>
0: just getting real, real, real optimized with that lifestyle. Um, are the things just in, in, in going almost a little bit more tactical now and trying to think of things that you guys look to, resources that you guys look at where you're kind of like, these are my reference points that give me the ammo that I need to go and make my movie. I'm sure there are a lot of filmmakers out here, a lot of people who are trying to tell their own stories and are trying to either look for um, the, the resources of a, a no film school type of lifestyle or a type of career path um, what are kind of like certain things that, you, things that you guys looked at, read, watched that you felt as though were pretty instrumental? Could be anything from a book to a, a podcast, a YouTube channel, anything like that?
1: I just got Canopy. Do you guys know what that is? It's like if you have a yeah. free library card, you can watch the Criterion Collection, which is I recommend to everyone. Um, and I was just like binge watching a bunch of stuff recently. And um, I also didn't go to film school, so the director's DVD commentary, you know, watching films that I admire from Wong Kar-wai or Zhang Mo and things like that. But um, Canopy, that's my little...
0: And it's free. It's, it's free. free. No excuse. And supporting public libraries. <laughs> and it's free. Yeah. <laughs>
4: um, I, uh, like, it's, it's so interesting. Um, uh, like, I remember going to a uh, 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 talk... By this like big producer and his basically like his speech was like why are you here Talk like listening to me talk like I'm not making your movie like you go make your movie and then like you know everybody like stayed to ask questions and I was like I'm going to listen to this guy and like get out of here and like start writing my script um, there is something about like like people you know like yes like it's great to have like film idols that you love and like you know this is the filmmaker that I want to have their career but in many ways it's it's the people in this room it's it's your peers that are going to help you like for me um my the person that helped me the most in in kind of figuring out like how to go from shorts to features was this filmmaker eliza hitman um because she went to cal arts with me I was an AD on her thesis film. She produced my second year film, you know, and she was making her first feature and then she helped me make my first feature. You know, it was one of those things where she was like a step or two in front of me and that was like relevant, you know, like it wouldn't help me to go to like you know to see like Wong Kar-wai at the Academy even though I loved doing that, like it was just one of those things where like the context in which he was able to make films is so different, you know, than the one that, that we live in now. Um, and so it's really about finding those peers. And that's why I think, um, you know, like, again, like organizations, like visual communications and like going to film festivals, you know, like I didn't have a a film at Sundance this year, but I went to Sundance and tried to watch everything Asian, including Lulu's movie, which is amazing. And like, beautiful it's one of those things where it's like be a part of the community like not just as uh, a filmmaker but also as a film fan as a supporter you know and 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 this is where you'll find the support network you know this is where you'll find the way to um, to make what you want happen. You know, I'll, I'll also mention, like, Kickstarter, you know, crowdfunding. I did a Kickstarter for my first feature, Spawnite, and I don't think we could have made the film without it, you know. It's such a small film. Um, you know, it, it's, quote-unquote, very niche because it's, like, queer and Korean-American. And, Korean American. Um, and uh, you know, I tried to find... More uh, traditional ways of making the film, you know, like going to production companies, but none of them felt like this was something that um, made sense for them. Um, but I knew so many people, you know, uh, who, you know, they wouldn't like invest $100,000 into it, but they might donate like 15 bucks, you know, and that to me was, uh, you know, it was, it was a way to really. Uh, believe in the project to, to get the project out there, like to feel accountable to these Kickstarter backers, you know, um, and and just really like start to feel like a sense of, of um, a community around the film. So I, I you know, I, I think we talk a lot about how you know the industry has been so uh, you know closed and and you know it's been difficult to uh, to tell some of these stories. Um, but if you're willing to make it small enough, right? Like, there are, there are ways to do it, you know? It might not be exactly the way that you want to, but for me, it felt like it was a really viable path and I was, you know, really fortunate to do it and it gives me a sort of um, professional platform to then, like, keep making films at a bigger and bigger level.
3: Um, I mean, I guess this is not exactly on just the, the question of... What's like the resource? Because, you know, Criterion uh, Collection, the channel's uh, coming out, uh, what, April 8th. There's a lot of resources to watch films, watch classic films, watch new films, watch bad films, just watch any kind of film that you can. And I mean, for example, when I was developing The Farewell, um, I wrote the script but I knew I wanted to capture tension in it, and I watched a bunch of thrillers and horror films. It's, like, not the most obvious reference for a family film, but that's kind of how you end up making something a little different in a way because, you know, the family is going to be there, the characters are going to be there, but in terms of camera work and all of that, and how to, yet yeah, how to make the scenes uh, be filled with tension, it, it is no different than Rosemary's Baby, or whatever the reference might be, um, it's different, but you know what I'm saying, the camera work, um, but I think just in, in terms of getting your film made, um, one of the things that, obviously, I, I don't know who, who here knows, like, the history of the farewell but it took me a while to make it because nobody wanted to make it when I first wanted to make it and um, it wasn't until I did a This American Life episode that everyone then wanted to make it and so, I think, you know, the industry talks so much about IP, blah, 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 like, all of that, and it's kind of BS sometimes, but then there's all the also, like, I sort of, I didn't know what IP was when I did a radio story. I was just like, oh, you're going to pay me to tell a story? Yes, great, let's do it. And also, I love this American life. Um, and so, I think... Um, the it was the persistence of it like have a collection of stories um you know have a database essentially and don't work on all of them but know that some of them might go and some of them might not and you know you're just like juggling a bunch of balls because for me i set that one aside and i was working on something else that was quote unquote more commercial um, as my agent at the time was telling me you already did a first feature don't make another short That was bad advice. Uh, I went and made a short. Um, You know, oh, that's cute. You're going to do a radio story, but focus on this, like, bigger, big-budget, you know, feature that you should be doing next. Wrong. You know, I went and I did This American Life. And those were the two things that led to me making The Farewell was being, first of all, on the festival circuit with my short film after I had done a feature, like, my short ended up going to more festivals, smaller festivals. So this producer from This American Life saw the film and approached me and said, hey, I love your voice. What else are you working on? And that opened up the door for me for for all of this to happen. And if I had actually listened to sort of the mainstream agent-y advice of, like, kind of What are you supposed to be doing next? And always going bigger, bigger, bigger. I don't. Yeah, none of this would have happened. And I. And so I think, you just never get too big for your breeches. Breeches. What is that word? Uh, Is that right? Yeah. Um, And like, just you know, like, do a feature, do a small film, do a radio story, like any way to continue to tell stories, and and work with your peers. Like, do you shoot something on an iPhone. You know, like, it's everything is an exploration and a learning experience, and I think, like, a lot of filmmakers I know, I've talked to who get really established, the thing that they're fighting against now is, in a way, they feel like, oh, they're no longer allowed to explore. Like, in many ways, there's these expectations of, like, what are you going to do next? And are you going to go do big, do that big studio movie? And just because you're given the opportunity to, that may not be the best... Thing to do as an artist, and for the like longevity of career, and also just for your own sanity.
5: Um, fuck, Andrew took my f- answer. Oh, fucked. <laughs> 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 um, I mean, you don't have to have an answer. No, not, yeah, well, I'm I, sure we are. I do
1: have. I do
5: have. A, I do have well, the, uh, the question is like, what kind of resources do we turn to? Um, and I actually, you know, this is going to be a little bit offbeat, but I actually like watching camera tests on on YouTube. Like, I watch camera. These camera nerds. Uh, give these in-depth reviews of the newest, latest cameras. And I watched, like, they just—they go to random locations and, and shoot, like, iridescent algae off the coast of Fiji and there's no story and it's just random music played to it. And they're talking about what ISO the camera performs best at. But, what's cool about it is that film is, like, becoming so democratized, right? It's like, idea that you can have a 4K camera on your phone, that you can have like an 8K camera that you can rent for like $300 for a week, like, we as filmmakers, it, we can learn this tech, you don't have to just be a director anymore, I've DP'd my last two features, you can shoot your own projects, you know, and when you do the research, when you start to learn about how accessible this technology is, it's not space technology anymore, this, it's a little red button that pushes record. And there's a little card that you put into it, and it records your footage, and you put it on your computer. And you add it. like it's, it's much simpler, and um, I find that my answer is still Andrew's answer, which is human beings, but <laughs> the other answer is, is to educate yourself, and there's so many tools online to learn about um, the, the process. And once you can kind of feel empowered because the tools are in your hands, you can kind of skip a lot of these steps that involve, you know, Presenting yourself to a person who is not listening to you in a room with a water bottle, you know, or just sort of hearing a million no's for months until you just don't care about your project anymore. Um, there's a science that's 20 minutes, and my answer has no more depth to it than this, so I'm going to pass it back.
0: Great. And I, I, what's, what's amazing about all these responses, I feel like you go from the, 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 the first step you do, right? You just look at inspiration. You, look, you, you watch films. You just get a feel for certain styles, certain tones, certain genres across, across the spectrum. Um, and then you can go a little bit, you could take an unconventional path and look at what the specs on a camera are and how that might... Impact how you shoot something, um, and I th- and I think where where we're going with with Andrew and Lulu's answers, are, are I think we're are so special in that at the end of the day, it comes down to participation. Like you have to go out and meet people, work with other people, get to know them and their skills in order to see how how you can collaboratively bring something to life. And I think what's what's so unique about that is that it's it's really taking the idea that being a director is it's not a soul role, you're not, you're, not, you're not just bearing all the burden uh, to yourself. And I think what's, what's great about using platforms like Kickstarter or experimenting with things like a, like a radio is that it forces you to narrow and really get your story right. It really forces you to make sure that you're getting all the right elements that you're including in your overall narrative that you can then decide how to, how to bring to life using a camera, using, using a crew in that way. Um, Knowing that we're we're kind of getting constrained for time, and I want to open up to Q and A's in a little bit. Um, knowing that we're here at Empower with collaboration, um, and that we're focused on on Asian American creativity, um, what are what are, are there projects or are there people or individuals that you guys think you know deserve greater attention? Projects that you guys are excited to see come up uh, through the industry? Uh, is there anyone whose particular voice that resonates with you, or or new new works that are coming out that that excite you guys?
4: I mean, like Lulu's film. Like it,
5: it, it, was, it was. That like, was my answer
4: again, man. It, it, like it's like super beautiful. Like I'm I'm going to see it again, like very soon. Um, uh, but yeah, I I think that's um, for me. It's it's uh, like. I think because of because I did a Kickstarter, like I really feel for people and so like every Kickstarter that comes my way, I feel like I have to throw in some money. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, ugh. Um But um but yeah, I mean like uh like there are so many great resources to find like stories out there and um and I also like think as like a filmmaker, I have to also like not just look at like other filmmakers that I'm looking for, you know, like musicians and dancers and, you know, artists in other fields um, and, and support them. Because I, I, I really don't think it's just like a film movement, it's kind of like just an expression movement, you know? Um, I'm trying to think of like specific names or like people to plug. So this,
0: yeah, this is your time to shout out the, the people in your life that, that you want to put on. I said Lulu. I'm, I'm, no.
3: <laughs> Um, I have a friend. Her name is Vera Biao. You guys may or may, may know her. Um, I'm really excited about... She's doing... She So she did a, something called Two Sentence Horror Stories. And I think... Like, you... I can't remember, like, at least in America, like, the last, like, Asian-American story that's genre and her approach to genre is so interesting. Um, like a Jordan Peele, they're like, uh, it's, it's, there's social justice. It's all of these kind of bigger issues and messages. Um, yeah. So she's, she's got, uh, the, her show got picked up by the CW, um, and they're shooting that. And, um, I'm really excited to see a lot
0: more from her.
5: Bear or meow. Got it. Um, I'm, I'm excited about, um, uh, this is a filmmaker named Foz Mirza. She's amazing. Uh, she's in the room. She's an amazing filmmaker who's got projects all over. Her she's amazing. She should be up here. Um, she, she, um, she did a. a um, well, also, I, well, I also want to plug Like a lot of there's a lot of uh, filmmakers who kind of didn't, or a- actors and filmmakers who didn't grow up in this time of inclusion that we're in right now, and who are starting their second kind of phase of their career. And I'm so excited to see. What they do, people like uh, Michelle Kruzek and Lynn Chen and Sheethal Sheth, who are. Lynn's doing her first, her first feature now, she's, she's directing. And um, I'm excited to see you know, uh, this is an industry that puts a lot of premium on, on the youth and young people, and that's great, but I think there's a lot of talent that you know, is, is in, in this more mature side of their. Um, their craft and uh, is stepping into possibly like the best work of their lives, and um, I'm excited to see where they find their footing um, as, as 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 more adult as more adult kind of uh, actors and directors and, and um, those kind of people. So,
1: um, yeah, I think I guess I'm going to plug people that have been doing it for a while, just to, to sort of like to go along what you were saying. Um, because I'm uh, on this like Filipino pride kind of thing with my film, um, I want to plug the films of Lav Diaz. I don't know if you guys have seen his films, but he's slow cinema. His films are like four mm-hmm. to eight hours long. And another filmmaker from the Philippines that I would plug is Brillante Mendoza, who, um, you know, I don't know if you've seen his films or not, but uh, uh, he won the Cannes Film Festival a couple years ago. But you know, just to plug my people and two young filmmakers, Jess La Merced, who's amazing. I wanna, yeah, shout out to her and Marie Jamora. So, just plug my girls.
0: Awesome, quick uh, one line ways in which uh, the audiences here can support all your guys' work beyond buying a ticket uh, when, it, when it comes or when it comes through or when it opens. Um, how, how can we best support you guys as you guys uh, have your projects
5: uh, come to the world?
3: Follow us on social media.
5: You you can pull out your phone right now, (laughs) take a photograph, and tag everybody here and bomb the internet right now. Just say these Asian American filmmakers are here. Like, I'm serious. Like, do it right now.
1: Pull it up. Yeah. Yeah, Social media for ours is a
5: like seriously do it (laughs) and do that. Bomb it. Like flood the (laughs) net at the same time. It's the best way. I'm I'm not kidding. (laughs) It's serious.
1: Oh, I think our film is uh, yellowrosefilm dot com, and uh, come to the opening night May second. Yeah, okay. I think
4: I think it's like like talk about films, you know, and like like uh, and and like dig a little deeper. Like I think um, there's a lot of like people being like, oh, like I just don't see it out there, and it's like the stuff is out there. You just have to kind of like look for it a little bit more, you know, because. The way that this industry works, like marketing money, you're like inundated by like just like the biggest movie out there. Like that's all that you're seeing. Um, and so it's it's about like going to like Asian American film festivals. It's talking about, you know, those films with your friends. It's, you know, it's it's about raising the consciousness of what's already there instead of lamenting the lack of, you know, like what's just immediately like uh, visible from just like your couch All
0: right, everybody got that go go be curious find films do your research and then social media if you guys have more questions for for our panel uh, you can follow them and ask them questions online and hopefully they can respond to you there Uh, but I just want to thank everyone here uh, Diane, Tanush, Lulu and Andrew for participating and answering the questions Um, it's been great thanks so much guys Oh yeah, oh yeah.
2: And that was the panel from script to screen, Asian American filmmakers bringing their stories to life from the 2019 Empower Creative Leadership Conference. I hope y'all enjoyed listening to that amazing conversation as much as I did. You can catch both Diane Paragus's Yellow Road and Tanush Chopra's Vacation at the 2019 Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival starting next week. Andrew Ahn's Driveways is still making its way through the festival circuit and will be playing at the Tribeca Film Festival next Tuesday. And finally, you can catch Lulu Wants the Farewell in theaters this July. And that will also do it for this episode of The Collabcast. The Collabcast is a program of collaboration, a nonprofit organization supporting Asian Americans in the arts and entertainment. Discovering, elevating, showcasing, and connecting the creative talents of the Asian American community in North America and beyond. You can learn more about collaboration and our programs by going to our website at www.collaboration.org. The Collabcast is also a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, an amazing collective of Asian American-hosted podcasts. Learn more about our fellow Potluck Podcast by going to the website www.podcastpotluck.com. Thanks also to Visual Communications. This episode was recorded partially at the Potluck Podcast Studios located within the Visual Communications offices. Visual Communications is the amazing organization behind the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival where again you can catch Diane paragus's Yellow Rose and the new Chopra's Vacation. The festival runs from May 2nd to May 10th, 2019. For more information about showtimes and tickets you can go to festival.vcmedia.org One last thank you to Atlanta-based rapper Uzo Han for use of his song Uzo Han for this episode's music. This has been the Cloudcast. I'm Marvin Yet, and we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone.
1: smell A little I smell a bitter crowd. consider it a blessing. you consider it a I don't know. It's been a few years. I'm still a rookie in many regards and I got a few fears. I got a couple concerns in the job. scared, that with the booth is out of touch and I've been out that you to be out of a rear.
0: Uh, we got media, entertainment, food, family, politics, representation, the good, the bad, the WTF of it all. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at TheyCallSpruce.com. Peace. Peace.